Welcome to You Might Relate, a podcast where we take relationships and mental health to the next level. I am Stacy Heaps, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been practicing therapy for the last 15 years. There are counseling concepts and stories that I am excited to share. When we know better, we do better. Together, let's get to a place of radical acceptance of where we are while improving relationships and tackling life's transitions, one therapy concept and one story at a time. So let's get started to see if you relate. Hello, so glad you are here today. How has your week been so far? I hope you are making it today a good day. My guest today is Elise Willits. She is 21 years old and from St. George, Utah. She is currently attending BYU, studying experience, design, and management. Elise enjoys hiking, rock climbing, running, and quick trips to Disneyland. In fact, I think she just got back from Disney World this weekend. She served an 18-month mission for the LDS Church during the pandemic in Houston, Texas. She is passionate about bringing light to others and creating connections. Welcome, Elise. Well, I am so happy to be here, first of all. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, I know Stacy. her husband and my dad work at the same engineering firm, and so that's how we got introduced. And now, how old were you when I met you? Oh, I was in high school. I think I was 15 or something like that. Okay, yeah, I was going to say 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was pretty young. Okay, that's how we met. Mm-hmm. And then I needed some help here at SNS, and she was the best. You came on, <laughs> and you were an office administrator, and then you left me. <laughs> she left me. Because where did you go? I served a LDS mission, so I left for about 18 months. Okay. So before we get into that, let's hear just a little bit about who you are, your childhood, your hobbies, and then we'll get into the club. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just introduce myself. My name's Elise. I am 21 currently. I have grown up in St. George basically my whole life. And so we've just been in the local area. I graduated high school from here. What high school did you go to? Snow Canyon High School. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. I did track and cross country in high school. I was involved in a couple different clubs, ironically enough. Oh, yes. (laughs) What clubs were they? They were the Hope Squad, which is actually suicide prevention. Yes, my kids do that. Okay, that's cool. So people have to choose you to be on that. Mm -hmm. You get to join by being asked to join. So it was fun. Cool. And then I also did National Honor Society, NHS. So I did that for quite a few years. We did a lot of service projects and, and things like that. And I was eventually on the presidency my senior year. So I was able to serve in that capacity. So oh that was fun. Oh, <laughs> Okay. And then you graduated. Mm-hmm. And then after graduation, I went and served a mission in Texas. And then when I came home, I went up to school at BYU. And that's where I am now. Okay. So let's talk about this club. You went on a mission January of 2020. Mm-hmm. And where did you get called to go? So I was called to the Texas Houston South mission and I was English speaking. So I was really excited about that. Oh yes, you didn't have to learn a language. Mm -hmm. Did you want to go on your mission your whole life or was this something new? Ah, maybe I'll go on a mission. Mm -hmm. I was about 12 is when I started to toy with the idea. Okay. I had seen some girls in my ward growing up serve missions and within my extended family, I'd seen all these sister missionaries and I really admired who they were and what they represented and some of the experiences that they had. And then I was actually older when I was about 14. I had a moment when I was thinking, do I really want to serve a mission? (laughs) I had uh, read a blog post from a sister who was actually still serving at the time and she was just giving the reality check of what it was like to be a missionary. And up to that point, I had just mostly seen the stereotypical things that you've seen of a missionary and what the lifestyle is like. Reading that blog post was the first exposure to kind of the harsh reality of what it is and how hard it can be. Okay, so what is the harsh reality of what it could be? (laughs) (laughs) You have a schedule that you keep every day. You don't get any days off, basically. So you wake up at 6.30 in the morning and you go and exercise. And then you have some studies that you do, some personal on your own in the scriptures. You'll study with your companion or your roommate that you live with. And you work all day. 
And so you go from about 10 a.m. until 9 p.m. is when you're supposed to be out finding and teaching lessons and things like that. So okay. it's a pretty rigorous schedule. You're away from your family for that whole duration of your mission. You can only talk to them once a week over FaceTime or calling them on the phone. So you can't go and visit them. You can't take vacation days or anything. Oh, so wow. you're completely dedicated to that. So there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. And also it's just hard to having new experiences, sometimes even going to a different country that you're not used to. Right. So there's a lot of like unprecedented challenges <laughs> that you sign up for basically. So even without the pandemic, this is a challenge because the rigorous schedule, the changes, possibly mm -hmm. a new language or culture and not being able to talk to your family. Mm -hmm. What are the benefits of going on a mission? Because oh. that does sound hard. <laughs> uh -huh. the, the benefits absolutely outweigh the cons, I would say. In my experience, at least. Okay. Because you get all of these wonderful relationships with people. You get to live with these different, in my case, girls for six weeks, 12 weeks. I spent almost six months with one of the, my companions. Oh, and we became fun. really good friends. You get to work with other missionaries in the area. They become really good friends. And people that you teach, you just have the most unique connection to them. Huh. And then, of course, your relationship with Jesus Christ and with God is just unbeatable by any other experience that you'll ever have in your life. So I'd probably say the connections are so beneficial and even just learning to do hard things because that was the first time Ooh. I moved out. I didn't go to school before my mission. And so that was my first exposure of learning how to cook and live in oh, an apartment. Wow. <laughs> All of those fun things. <laughs> okay. So for you personally, without the pandemic happening, what was the hardest part for you being on a mission? Ooh, I think the first part was really hard just being away from my family and doing something that felt completely uncomfortable. Mm. Because you go and you enter a mission where most everybody has been there for some time so they know what's happening. They're on the same page. They know the lessons. And it's also a different culture too. Each mission has a culture in and of itself. So it's almost like moving to a new school. And so you enter in and you feel like you're just in the middle of the story. Oh. <laughs> and you're expected to be picked up on it. And so you have to learn super quick and on your feet. And that was just really overwhelming because I tend to be a perfectionist. And so I wanted to be good at it right in that moment. But it takes time. And so that was a challenge, just learning to get adjusted to that culture, to the time schedule, to talking to strangers and being in really uncomfortable situations that you would never be in if you weren't a missionary. Oh, and yeah. on top of that, being away from my family. So that was probably the hardest part. Yeah, you're adjusting. really close to your family. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. Especially, or would you say you're closest to your mom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that you were really close to your mom, but all of your family. I mean, so you have your mom and dad, mm -hmm. then there's your older brother, mm -hmm. then you, and then a younger brother, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so now you get there, it's kind of a shocker. Did you cry? Did you Every have day. tantrums? <laughs> did you really? I did. Oh my god. It gosh. took me about three days. So first you go into what's called a missionary training center. You're there for about a week and a half, and they just teach you the basic lessons. And... Did you go to the one in Provo? Mm -hmm. Okay. I did. So before this time, they were having them still in person. So I okay. was before they shut everything down. Right. Did you go to the MTC in January? I did. Okay. Yes. So I was called January 7th is when I went to the Provo MTC. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so how long were you in the MTC, which is the Missionary Training Center? Mm -hmm. It was about a week and a half. Is when oh, I was that's there. all. That's I thought it. you guys were there for like months. <laughs> well, if you're learning another language, then you are. But if you're English, since you aren't learning any other language, you just go strictly to learn the lessons and that's it. Oh, my, and you were only there a week? Basically. Yep. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So then you get to the new mission and you, when you say you, it's like going to a new school, the mission itself, or is it like the other missionaries too? Or it's is it both. everything? Yeah, okay. it's everything because you know, you live to a new place and Houston especially is such a melting pot of so many different cultures and people from all around the world. So that was a cultural shock for me. Living in St. George, you don't really get a lot of exposure. And also like you're saying within the mission itself and the other missionaries and leadership that you're working with. And so both of those were different experiences to get used to. So for people that are not LDS and they're like, why do you want to go on a mission in the first place? What would you say to that? Why do people go on missions? <laughs> because you're not required to. You don't mm -hmm. have to go on a mission. It's a mm -hmm. voluntary thing. So why? <laughs> it seems a little crazy. And that was actually fun telling people that we would meet on the streets yeah. why we're here. Because we pay to go on the mission. We sacrifice our time. We sacrifice being away from our family. We have to put our education on hold. And right. put ourselves through some of these experiences that maybe we don't necessarily love all the time. <laughs> yeah. But I think I can speak for most everybody that has served a mission is because of their love for Jesus and for his gospel. 
is really the driving force. That's what gets you on a mission and that's what helps you stay. So when you say love for Jesus Christ, are, is it Jesus wants you to go on a mission? Not necessarily, Okay, it is a choice. So, so talk more about why you would go on a mission. Mm-hmm. Well, basically what you're doing as a missionary is that you are going out and you're trying to find people who are searching for something in their life. They're trying to search for light, for direction, for answers. Sometimes they are looking for religion and you get to go out and you get to share the message of the restored gospel of Christ and you get to represent him. It's amazing that you are able to share your own experiences that you've had with these principles and experiences that you've had with the Savior because nobody else has had those experiences but you. Right. And so that's a very self-directed and self-driven thing. Coming from a place of love for this church and for this gospel and wanting to share it with other people and invite them to at least hear that message or to come and actually be a member or to come have exposure to us as missionaries and other members of that church. So kind of a missionary for the LDS church is sharing your love of Jesus Christ to other people because they might want to have that in their life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is that right? Right. And a, a big focus of a mission is to help others come to Christ through baptism. We always strive and help people that we teach to eventually enter and make that promise to be baptized. But of course, that doesn't always happen. But no effort is wasted. That's not the only reason why we're there is just to baptize people, but it's to help bring others closer to Jesus. So wherever they are in their faith, if they're not even a member of our religion, if they are atheist or Buddhist or whatever, we just want to share that message of Christ and at least bring his spirit into their life a little bit. And so I've met with tons of people who never ended up getting baptized, but we are still such good friends. We had such good discussions together. We read the scriptures and we prayed together and we went to church and it was just a really wholesome spiritual experience together. Okay, so you're bringing spirituality to other people. Absolutely, yeah. And so girls who go on missions, they call them sister missionaries, right? They go for how long? So we serve for 18 months or about a year and a half. And the boys serve for how long? Two years. Okay, so that's why you went on a mission. So you get out there, you go to the MTC, and then you fly to Texas. Mm -hmm. You said you cried for the first three days. (laughs) So walk us through up until the pandemic. What was your mission like? What did you expect? Or what are the surprises? And then go into the pandemic. Yeah, so I was first surprised by the culture because when I got my call to Texas, I was thinking Western Texas, out in the middle of nowhere, like the yeehaw and the cowboys. (laughs) That's what I was envisioning. And then I get to Houston, which is right by the Gulf of Mexico. So it's very lush. It's very green. It's very humid. Yes. (laughs) And it's a huge melting pot of so many people. Mm. And I was not expecting that at all. And so we would go out every day and we would just walk in different parts of the area I was living in. And I would meet people from Nigeria, from Saudi Arabia, from different parts of Africa and from Europe. And so it was just so much exposure. So that was definitely something that took me by surprise, getting to have all of that exposure still in the United States and still living somewhere kind of close to home. Yeah. I I loved all of my companions. Luckily, I had some really, really good companions. So I was really blessed in that respect. And my trainer, too. She was just phenomenal. We're really close friends, and she really helped me, especially at that time. My mission was so hard at the beginning, getting used to everything. Yes. (laughs) She was such an angel to just be patient and to bolster me up and give me that confidence and really show me how to do missionary work right and just set myself on a really good path. So I was so grateful that she was there. And I know that we were brought together at that time in our lives for that reason, was to share that experience together. But once I I landed in Texas, I started getting used to the schedule. I started getting used to waking up at the times when we did and getting used to talking to people. Something that we would do is we would go out and we'd walk on the street and my companion would say, okay, there's a person walking over there. How about we go up and talk to them? And you just have to start a conversation point blank. (laughs) Oh my gosh. At 19 years old. Yep. So that was definitely out of my comfort zone. I'm not used to going up and talking to people, having a conversation, but nonetheless, talking about religion, of all things. Right. <laughs> and There's some to- topics you don't talk about. Religion, yep. politics, <laughs> sex, kids, in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> and so we go up, and we're pretty bold. I mean, we look pretty funny because we have a dress code that we follow as missionaries. The boys are supposed to wear a shirt and tie. They almost look like businessmen. <laughs> okay. And we always wear a skirt or slacks. So we're dressed oh, up pretty nicely. Oh, you can wear nicely. slacks? Mm-hmm. Wow, well, that's good. Okay. (laughs) 
And so we look pretty nice, especially considering our young age. So that's always a conversation starter as well. And so we go up and we try and talk to people and get to know them. And then we always try and share parts of our message of the gospel. And so it was so tricky learning how to navigate that into everyday conversation. <laughs> you eventually get good at it. But when I was first starting, I was so bad. <laughs> really? Like, what yeah. would you do? Oh, I would go up and be friendly and say, hi, how are you? And ask about them. I think I'd ask a lot of questions. So I would just interrogate them. <laughs> and then I'd say, have you heard about the Church of Jesus Christ letter? saints and they're like no or whatever response they would give and I would just start going into it <laughs> and basically trying to teach a lesson so my companion said okay you're coming off a little too strong so we can try and ease into it <laughs> normal and natural <laughs> okay so then did you do that did you do more normal and natural eventually I did I did <laughs> okay. I tried we would just try and talk to people on the street we had people when I entered the area that we were already teaching and so trying to help them learn some of these specific principles they need to understand one of them was actually preparing for baptism and so getting her whole baptismal ceremony I guess you could call it ready and inviting her friends and family to come so there was a lot going on when I first entered that area we were very busy we had a lot of people we were teaching a lot of different places and appointments we were going to so I just hit the ground running as soon as I got there wow. but it was a blessing <laughs> So busy, busy. Mm -hmm. That's how it was when you first got there. And then, do you remember the day when you guys were shut down? For us, it was like March. I wish I knew the whole, the right day, but it was around middle March. I think it was something around there. Yeah. Okay. So what happened with the missionaries? So it was interesting. It was a very gradual process because another thing as a missionary is that you aren't really on social media as much. You have restrictions on your phone, so you can't access just whatever website you want to like we normally can. There's only specified websites and apps that we can have. Oh. So we don't really hear about the news very often. We're not on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook all the time, you oh. know. And so we don't have a lot of really news about what's going on in the world. And so this was all secondhand, either from my family, from my mission president, or from members in our congregation that were telling us this. We heard little rumors like, oh, there's this virus going around. It started in China. And then I heard some members say, oh, I'm hearing that we need to start wearing masks because they're just afraid about people getting sick. And so they said, just take some precautions, be safe. And then it was the week that everything shut down. My mission president contacted all of the missionaries within my area and he said, you guys need to stay in your apartments. And he didn't give us a timeline of how long we would be in quarantine. And so he said, okay, we just need to go in inside for a couple days. We don't usually stay in our apartments very long as missionaries. We're always encouraged to go out and be with people rather than stay inside all the time. Yeah. And so that's something to get used to. But then a couple of days later, we got news that everything is shutting down. The grocery stores, schools, church. Oh my gosh. And we <laughs> were just in shock. We said, what is going on? And we didn't hear anything else. <laughs> oh my word. And so they just told us, okay, we're going to go into what's called a quarantine. So you have to stay in your apartment and you can't leave except to get groceries and both stay like this until we get further notice. And so we did. Oh, so you're all these many states away from your home and you've only been out for three months and now you're mm -hmm. just going to stay in a little tiny apartment, I'm assuming? Mm -hmm. It was an apartment. And the funny thing is, another funny mission rule is that <laughs> you have what's called a companion. It's technically your roommate and you have to stay within sight and sound of them. So you can't leave their side. And so if we wanted to even leave, we couldn't be by ourselves because you always have to be with your companion. So you're in this tiny apartment with this other person, whether or not you like them. <laughs> but luckily you liked yours. I did. Luckily we were such good friends and so it was fine. But I knew some other missionaries in the area where they were not as good of friends and so that caused some problems. <laughs> wow. So how did that go for you? It was really interesting, actually. So I had been out for about a month and a half, two months at this point, and still getting used to being a missionary and what that looks like. For me, transitioning from doing a lot of missionary work in person to inside and virtual wasn't a very hard transition. Oh. But a lot of missionaries around me, it was. Because coming from their perspective, they've been doing this for six months, a year, almost two years. Oh, right. They're very used to how they do it. They know what works. They know how to get success. And now they have to change everything. And they have to relearn <gasps> what they've already done. So that was very, very hard for them. And I was sitting there thinking, why is this so hard for you guys? Like, this makes sense. We just need to do it over Zoom. <laughs> oh, so is that what you guys would do is Zoom? 
Like, yes. you would Zoom your people? Mm-hmm. Yep, so we would text all our friends and say, hey, you know, we can't visit with you in person, but we still love to do some Bible studies. Do you want to just do it over Zoom? And so we would do that with people we taught. We would do it with members of our congregation. We would call them and share a little message with them and say, hey, could we just give you a call, see how you're doing? So we had to transition all of our lessons to either being over Zoom or people don't know how to use that. We would just do it over the phone, like we would just call them. Oh, wow. And that was actually an experience learning how to teach people to use Zoom. <laughs> I had to learn how to use Zoom, and then I had to teach other people how to use Zoom. So wow. that was kind of funny. <laughs> I just think that you're one of those people that is really good at taking on challenges. So then you'd be like, okay, so let's learn Zoom. <laughs> well, at first I wasn't. That's the funny thing about me is I will take on challenges, but at first it seems very overwhelming okay. because I get stuck in my head. And so I remember I was feeling okay for the most part when we first went into quarantine. And then what was really scary was all of the confusion, the unknown that came with that. And yeah. so what happened was we started hearing about missionaries being sent home from the mission. Oh, right, because there were people that were sent mm -hmm. home, right? Yeah. And so normally with a mission, you serve that full 18 months or two years. You don't go home until you're done. But what was happening was if you were in a foreign country and they were shutting down the borders, they were trying to get you home. Or if you were in the States, we just had to stay either in quarantine or unless you had a medical condition or whatever reason they feel they needed to send you home, they would. And so all of a sudden, all these missionaries started just leaving. And we didn't really know why. Now, was this from your mission? Yes. Oh, okay. And you didn't know why they were leaving? No. So some of them, they had asthma. Others had some other medical conditions. Or another thing that the church came out with was if you had served up to a certain point, they were just going to send you home. Like if you served, oh. maybe you had three or four months left of your mission, they would just send you home. Okay. You served an honorable mission. Mm -hmm. Go take care of your family during the pandemic. Right. Okay. The missionaries wouldn't even find out until the night before, maybe a couple days. So it was rapid. It was literally chaos. <laughs> wow. And we had no idea how to stop it. We had no idea what was going on. We were just at the mercy of of whatever was happening with the pandemic. And so there was all of that chaos going on. And I was sitting there thinking, am I going to be sent home? Is there a part of you that wanted to be sent home? Yes. Okay. Because, <laughs> Absolutely. So this was like, you're in there for like three to four months now. And so you're like, yeah, send me home. Yeah. At that point, I was still uncomfortable. I still wasn't used to everything. I was having a hard time. And on top of that, all of this confusion and fear surrounding the pandemic, yeah. I was thinking like, oh, well, just send me home. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. You know, it would just be easier than having to figure out whatever life looks like next. Uh -huh. And then when it came out that there was no reason for me to go home, that I would just stay there. I was sat there thinking, well, now what? <laughs> I guess I have to learn what to do and how to navigate moving forward and what that looked like. So at first I was pretty fearful. I had a lot of anxiety with that. And I remember calling home and talking to my family and saying, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if I'm going to still serve a mission. I don't know what my life's going to look like. And yeah. then after kind of the reality came in, I'm like, nope, this is what you're gonna have to deal with. This is the new challenge. This is something that's not going away. That's when I buckled down my shoes and said, okay, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna respond to this? And that's when I think the success really began, was there. Oh, okay. You put your mind to like, I'm staying. And mm -hmm. so once that clicked, then you think you saw some more success? Mm -hmm. And just yourself personally and how you felt about the mission or? Yeah, all around. I think I saw it within myself personally, within the work that I was trying to do because I accepted the circumstance and what it was instead of trying to change it or run away from it. And I think that's where I saw areas that I could thrive because then I took what I was given with the limited resources that I had and the limited experience that I had. And I realized, you know what, I can still do something and I don't have to sit around and wait for something something to change or I don't have to sit around and wait for more experience or knowledge or whatever to happen upon me, I can just do it right now. And so that's when I started to just get a lot more confident as a missionary. And that's when I started to get a lot more creative in the work I was doing and trying to work with what we've been given. How did that come about? Because that's such a great life lesson. Don't push against reality like this is my re acceptance of reality, radical acceptance of reality. This mm -hmm. is my reality and then we can work with it. So what helped you accept it? A part of it was I had to stay. My mission leaders were encouraging me to be there. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
You could go if you really wanted to. I right? could. You're not like I held captive. You could have gone to your mission president and said, I'm out of here. <laughs> right? Like you could That's have. That's true. I could have. I easily okay. could have walked but out. But they just weren't encouraging you to do that. Yes. They were encouraging you like, yeah, you're in a pandemic. We're sending the people home that have already served for most of their mission. But you just got here. We want you here. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. That, that is an important distinction to make. Okay. <laughs> so I could have gone home, but there was a part of me that wanting to tackle the challenge and say that I did it and that I did it successfully instead of giving up mentally and walking away. I wanted to have the satisfactory feeling of I did something hard and I did it the best I could. So I think that really helped me overcome that. And also just not wanting to stay in a place of fear because it is so overwhelming and it feels like it drags you down so much. And I just didn't want to experience that every day. So I chose to push back those fears and those doubts about myself and about my situation. And I had to choose every day. You know what? We're just going to try and be optimistic and we're going to try and do our best and find the good parts of this experience and find what I am capable of doing. So did those thoughts come naturally or did you have your parents like, come on, you can do this, Elise, or mission president or your companion? Or did were you the one telling your companions like, we can do this? What was it? Like, how did you get those good thoughts? I wouldn't just say good, but those encouraging, uplifting thoughts in your head. Mm-hmm. It was definitely for myself personally, on a personal basis, it was from my circle of support. I got a lot of it from my companion because she was right there all the time with me. Mm -hmm. And when I would call home, my family was always very encouraging and very supportive of me and my mission leaders as well. But who's your mission president and his wife? So my mission president is Jeremy Guthrie and his wife is Jenny Guthrie. And where are they from? They're from Oregon. Okay. And it was actually a conversation I had with my mission president's wife when I was feeling really scared. Okay. (laughs) And we were talking on the phone. I'm just telling her some of my fears. And she was sharing with me, you know, I have some fears and worries too. That doesn't just magically go away when you're older. That doesn't actually go away when you're a mission leader. Mm -hmm. She shared with me that faith and fear can't coincide together. And so you get to choose which one. It's not something that just happens to you. It's a choice that you make. Mm-hmm. And even though you feel these experiences of fear or worry, they come up, but you don't have to dwell on that and you can choose how to respond to it. And so that really helped me see that I am in control and that I do get to choose what's on my platform. I can mm-hmm. choose either faith and courage and curiosity, or I could choose fear and doubt and uncertainty. And so I think that's where I came to that place personally. And then because of that support, that's where I got the confidence to encourage other people about the missionary work. Because I felt like I was positive and optimistic about, we can do this, you know, we can navigate this, we can teach people online. Whereas other missionaries were still like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know if this is going to (laughs) work. So then when others supported me personally, then I was able to reciprocate that and put it back out into my mission and help them see new ways that we could teach and find and do the work that we were supposed to. Wow. Okay. So once you made that switch and you were really conscious of your thoughts that would come in and then you would keep the thoughts that served you, kind of put the thoughts that didn't serve you in the back burner. So then what was your mission like from then on out? It was a lot more optimistic. It wasn't perfect by any means. There were so many mistakes that I made along the way. (laughs) There were so many things that I was navigating and learning and sometimes failing at, but I had momentum behind me and I always had optimism and I knew, okay, maybe this is hard right now or maybe this isn't working right now, but I'm not always going to be in this place because I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm going to find a solution or something is going to come up and I'm going to be able to better navigate this. So I think that really helped me to not only be optimistic about my future and about my mission, but to feel excited about the possibilities that were ahead of what if this could happen or think about all of the best possible things that could take place instead of what's the worst possible outcome that could happen. That's such a good life lesson because don't all of us, something happens, we go to the worst case scenario instead of the best case scenario. So you're just deciding, well, I could think of the worst case scenario or I could go to the best case scenario. It's a choice. It is. And it's such a constant choice that you have to do every single day. I think something that can be a misconception that you'd also see as a missionary is, oh, sister so-and-so is so happy. She's just that way. (laughs) That's just who she is. Right. But that's a choice that she has to deliberately make all the time because she's not happy. That's the reality of serving a mission and the reality of just being a person is that it's not always... (laughs) 
it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. And I saw that from a young age, and that's what scared me for a minute, because I thought, oh my gosh, when you go on a mission, everything's great. Everything goes exactly how you're supposed to, and you're always going to find success, and you're always going to have somebody to teach, and you're just going to love every single person around you. Uh. <laughs> And that's not true. <laughs> and then you became a robot when you are a missionary. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, all your feelings and all your humanness leaves you. Yeah. They're gone. <laughs> oh, man. But it really, it does just come down to that choice and that desire. What do you desire to have out of your mission? What do you desire to see happen in this scenario? Regardless of if it's going your way or if it's not, you still have the ability to respond to that and the ownership of how you're going to feel about it, even if it's not what you wanted or what you expected. Okay, one thing I want to address, Elise, is that sometimes people really want to go on a mission, but it's probably not in their best self-interest, mental health-wise or physical-wise. And so what would you say to that? And also then once people sometimes are on their mission, they need to come home because they're ill and because there's some mental health issues, which there shouldn't be any shame about that. Again, they're put into a club like that you were with the pandemic. No one asked you if there should be a pandemic, and there was. And no one asked them if they were going to get this certain thing on their mission. But there is sometimes this stigma in coming home your mission. And I just was wondering, you being a missionary, did you see that? And how would you address that? Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up because a mission isn't for everybody. First and foremost, it is voluntary. And so you have as much of a choice to serve and a choice not to serve. And people can respect and honor that. I did see a lot of missionaries where they only served for a portion of the time and they went home for varying reasons, whether it be medical or it be mental health or other just struggles that they were having. And there's nothing wrong with that at all because the Lord loves whatever you offered. And so there's nothing wrong if you serve the 18 months that's great. He will take that and you will honor that and love that. If you only serve for a couple weeks or maybe a couple months, whatever that duration may be, he will take whatever you offer because that's what he wants. It's just your heart and your effort. And so I think it was really good to see that during the pandemic because a lot of missionaries did come home because of medical reasons or also just because of their country shutting the borders that so they were coming home. So I feel like that helped a lot destigmatize missionaries coming home. But on a personal level, it's just something that you have to determine for yourself what is best for you. Because ultimately, if you feel like you want to serve, but you don't feel like given circumstances of mental, emotional, physical challenges that may impede that, that's okay. And there are so many opportunities that you still can share your testimony and do service like through your service mission or through other opportunities that may be presented to you. Or if you are on a mission, don't feel like you are in a good place mentally or physically, it's okay to come home because what matters at the end of the day is that you are okay and you feel like you can serve and you feel like in any way that that is being inhibited or it's decreasing to a point that you're not happy and you're struggling and your day-to-day -day life is inhibited. And that's something that you can look at with your mission leaders or trusted people. And there's nothing wrong with that. Something that I did see with other missionaries that is hard is that when you personally don't feel like you are in a good place mentally or you don't feel like you are healthy, it does affect those around you. So it is important to do those necessary steps to take care of yourself. Because I think sometimes we get in a very selfless mindset as a missionary. It needs to be about other people. I need to be serving others. I need to not think about myself and put my needs on the back burner. And that doesn't work <laughs> because you can't serve others if you are not doing okay yourself. Right. And that's a good one for moms. Moms, <laughs> please take care of yourselves so you can take care of your kids and your household. But my goodness, I think that's a thing. Sometimes we don't take care of ourselves. So whatever, and therapists, if you're a therapist, that's a thing too. Sometimes we think, oh, but I got to see this client. I got to see this client. I got to, and sometimes we just have to say, okay, this is how much I can handle. This is the hours that I'm able to work. If I do any more, then I'm not going to be a good therapist. Or if I don't go home, I'm not going to be myself. I'm talking about a missionary. <laughs> and then if I'm just taking care of my kids and not thinking about my health, exercising or spending time with friends, then we're not being good to ourselves. And it's just, we can't be there for other people. The analogy of an airplane where the parent has a decision and when it's going down to put the mask on themselves or the mask on their kid and they say, always put on yourself first and then on your kid. And that's kind of like when you're on a mission, taking care of yourself first and then deciding how you're going to help other people later. 
Man, isn't a mission just a micro analogy for life? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> oh, in so many ways. I mean, even still, I've been home for over a year now, and I still, every day, look back on things that I learned from my mission because it's almost like a little petri dish of all of the life lessons happening so fast, and you're going to use them like for the rest of your life. Yes. I'm just, I was going to say, that's probably one of the best things about a mission is that it built mm -hmm. your confidence and built just a whole bunch of skill sets that you didn't even know that existed in you. Oh, absolutely. So tell us some stories, like a, a hard story or a funny story. Like, let's just hear some stories if you have any. Yeah. Oh, I got okay. so many stories. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I will first start with a hard story. Okay. We'll do that first. We'll get the hard over. Okay. Yes. Because I think it still goes along with what we've been talking about early with the pandemic and yeah. the different lessons that came with that. So there was a time on my mission, this was a little bit later into my mission. Luckily, Texas wasn't as restrictive with the quarantine mandate that they had. Okay. And so we were out of quarantine, basically to a pretty flexible extent. We could go visit people in their homes, but we had to wear face coverings. That was an option. Okay. This was about last April, I want to say. It was around the March and April-ish time of 2021. 2021? Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was about that point in my mission, and it was a really hard time. There was a lot of things that piled on that accumulated to getting to this point. So I had recently transferred, or that's what the term that we use, but it basically means that you move from one city to another. And so you're assigned to a certain area of your mission or a certain city, and that's where you focus on, is you only live in that city, you only teach and visit with people that live in that city, you don't visit anybody else. Okay. So I had recently moved to a new city and I got a new companion, and I got some new leadership callings as well. Oh. And so there was a lot of different newness and new adjustments that were going on at the time. But going into this new area, they were still a little bit behind as far as the quarantine goes and visiting with people. So most of the people that we were teaching these lessons to, we just did it over the phone. Okay. There wasn't even a Zoom call. We just would call them on the phone. So I didn't really see anybody. Oh. <laughs> and we were in our apartment all day long. And I didn't really feel connected to the congregation that we were working with and the leadership. And then on top of that, I was just trying to navigate new relationships with the missionaries in the area, my companion. And we had a little bit of different personalities and getting used to one another. And then with this leadership calling, I was serving in a social media position. And so we were trying to, you know, create content for our pages and help other missionaries learn how to use social media in their missionary efforts. And I was doing that in person with my team. Oh. But because I moved away, I had to do it virtually. And so I just had a lot of stress piled on top of me. Okay, wow. <laughs> and then on top of that, I felt a lot of isolation and loneliness because I moved to a new area and I was with different people that I wasn't as close with. I didn't have a lot of friends over there. And so I just had this immense feeling of just loneliness and isolation and overwhelm and not feeling like I could release that anywhere. <laughs> uh, not tell anybody? No. Or is that what you mean by release? You can't talk about it or what? Yeah, I couldn't quite talk about it because I would only tell my family. It was really the people I trusted the most to talk to. And I'd only talk to them once a week. Uh -huh. So then throughout the week. <laughs> and you're bottling it all up. Right. I didn't really have a lot of people I could confide in. And so I was just trying to deal with it. And then with the position I was in, nobody was really sharing the responsibilities and burdens that I had. So I just had to kind of carry that by myself. Oh. At least it felt like. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so then I just didn't feel like others could really share in that. And also just personally, you know, when you feel stressed, other people can't really help that because you experience it in your own unique individual way. Right. And I just felt like I couldn't catch a break because oh. <laughs> you're having to work all the time. And I didn't feel like I had time to do everything that was asked of me at the time. And so I remember one night I was just so done because it was about two weeks and nothing was changing and it just felt like it was adding up and getting worse. I was ending the day and I was just on my knees praying and I said, God, I, I don't have anything for you today. I, I didn't say anything in that prayer and I just sat there and I just cried because that's all I could really express at the time was just through my tears. But I remember I kind of put my head on the mattress that I was leaning against. And I had this feeling where it felt like I was leaning my head on the Savior's shoulder. It was such a sweet experience because even though it didn't change what was happening and my stresses and responsibilities weren't lifted magically, right. but I felt like somebody was there with me and that they're carrying it with me and it was the Savior. Wow. 
And I didn't feel like people were quite able to do that for me at the time. So that was such a relieving experience and such a connecting moment as well to know that, you know, Jesus hasn't abandoned me. Right, <laughs> we're doing this together. here for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. And so that was sweet and that really helped me strengthen my relationship even more with the Savior was through that very hard time. I felt like it was out of my means. I didn't feel capable and I needed somebody else who knew what was going on and had more strength and he was the one that could do that for me. Wow. Do they offer counseling at all? They do. Okay. Yeah, they they actually do. I did it for a couple weeks. Oh, good. Yeah. So did you ask for it or, because I'm such a proponent, obviously, for counseling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've heard that they do. Mm -hmm. So is that offered to everybody? If you need it, come in, ask for it, or you don't even have to ask for it, or how does that work? Yeah, they offer it for all missionaries. So something that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has set up is they actually have assigned clinicians to missions. And so if you feel like you're in a place that you want to talk to a counselor or maybe a mission leader recommends you talk to a counselor, you would just talk to your mission president or his wife and then they would get you the number of that counselor and they would set up some appointments for you and you can meet with them virtually and you can do it as frequently as you need to or even just a couple times and it's so beneficial because they meet you where you're at. It's so awesome. Oh, that's the best ever. So Mm -hmm. did you use it during that time? Yes. Okay. It was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. And I'm I felt so like, glad to hear that. It was so good. And they gave me such good tools to use as well, just to cope through that and how to move forward. And we also talked about a couple other things that like weren't pertaining to the circumstance, but it was so great. And it was so nice too, because I feel like there's a stigma behind going to counseling in general, but also on a mission too, mm-hmm. where it can be easy to slip into the mindset of, oh, the Lord will help me. He'll fix this. Or I've got this. Oh, <laughs> right. I can figure it out. But really, we have resources there to help us, and we don't have to do it all by ourselves. And that is God's way of helping you, is giving you people to turn to through counseling or through whatever resources you need to get through what you're experiencing. You know, I didn't have super big struggles, but I know other friends and missionaries that had real struggles and still were dealing with mental illnesses. So that was mm. such a like awesome resource for them that they could still utilize that, even though they were in a different circumstance and they weren't at home and they had all these new challenges that they maybe weren't quite so prepared for. Right. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad. Can you think of one tool that your counselor taught you that you maybe still use today? Yeah. I remember one time we were talking about some of my weaknesses that I just wanted to work through and that had bugged me for a long time. And he came to me and he said, well, what if that's not a weakness? What if that's actually showing one of your strengths that you have? And he did this whole, like he painted it out. He drew a little picture to show me how this one particular attribute or thing that I was really struggling and working with was a strength and how I could better utilize that in a way that would serve me better. And that was just mind blowing because I had never seen it like that before. I always saw it as something that was impeding me and in my way. But then he opened my eyes to see like, oh my gosh, this could actually serve you really well. And it shows one of the best qualities of you as a person. Oh, I love that so much. Good so job, cool. therapist out of Houston. <laughs> Way to go. Woo. Woo. Okay, what's a funny story? A funny story. Oh, my word. There's so many funny stories. <laughs> I, I remember one time we were trying to find somebody to teach in my area. As missionaries, we have a log of people that we talk to, and if we're not even necessarily, like, talking with them, we'll still keep their information just in case we want to check back with them in a couple months. Okay. So this was one of those situations where I hadn't talked to the person personally, but other missionaries did a while ago. Okay. And so we were calling them, just saying, hey, we're the sister missionaries. We just wanted to check in and see how things are going. And they remembered us. Oh. (laughs) And that normally doesn't happen. They normally either ignore us or have to reintroduce ourselves and whatnot. Uh But they remembered us. We... Started talking with them and, you know, trying to share our message. And I just remember they just started singing to us. (laughs) And they wouldn't stop. They just sung for hours. Hours? (laughs) It was like... (laughs) Are you serious? It was like an hour, an hour and a half. What were they singing? Like different songs or the same song over and over again? It was like... (laughs) <laughs> it was some like worship rendition song. I didn't recognize it. Maybe it was from their congregation. Maybe it's from their culture. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but they kept going. And so we would try and interrupt them and talk to them and they would respond, but then they would like continue singing. <laughs> 
And so oh, my word. We probably sat on the phone a little bit longer than we should have, but <laughs> they just, they sang to us, and we're like, okay. So then we eventually hung up the phone, and my companion and I looked at each other, and we just laughed. <laughs> We're like, all right. Oh, my word. So it's just funny experiences like that where you just never know who you're going to meet or what you're going to encounter. Wow. You you just roll with it. So did you ever get back out of your apartment before you left? Or were you kind of in doing the social media and in your apartment in quarantine? Or did you get to leave and do other stuff? Yeah, we actually got to leave relatively early. So we went into quarantine in March. Okay. And then when they started loosening the restrictions was about, I want to say October. So you were in there from March until October yes. in your apartment? Yes. And then you had from October until... Until I went home. Well, so in October is when they said you can go to people's homes. And okay. they get to decide if you get to enter into their home or if you just get to talk to them on the porch. So that was about what Texas was at the time. And so we could do that. We had to wear face masks, but we were still doing a lot of things inside. We could only go places if we had a reason to go. Like if somebody invited us over, we couldn't just show up at a random house. Okay. So we had to have an appointment. We had to ask them, could we be there in person? And they could decide if we wanted to. So that's when we could go. But it was still pretty squidgy. There were still a lot of restrictions. It remained that way for a while. And then in about March and April 2021 is when we could start going into homes if we were vaccinated without masks. So that was nice. And we could start showing up. And then right before I left in June is when we didn't have a lot of restrictions left. Oh, so it really has been one year. That does Mm -hmm. not seem like it's been a year. No, it goes so fast. You've been home for a year. (laughs) Okay, so then what is the thing that you enjoyed most about your mission? It was actually during the pandemic, I would say, were some of my most favorite memories. Really? It's ironic as it is, (laughs) because I know my experience is not other people's experience, and I've talked with others where they had a very different time in quarantine, where it was very hard. Some parts of the world, they didn't have phones or internet access, so it looked very different. Right. But based off where I was at the time and the people I was with, those were some of my fondest memories was during quarantine and pandemic time we were just trying things we were being so creative we were doing the best that we could to still keep doing missionary work with what we had and so we got very creative we were willing to like push boundaries a little bit in a way that we were doing things that nobody had ever done before oh like what like social media was something that was big And so before the pandemic, missionaries weren't really on social media. So they didn't use like Instagram and Facebook or anything like that. And that was the culture was don't really go on there. Okay. But then during the pandemic, that's all we had. So then we were really encouraged, try talking to people on Facebook, try messaging them, try making posts so that people are like exposed to the church and to what missionaries are. Uh And so from that, it just kind of snowballed into this bigger and bigger effect until all across the church nation, not even nationwide, internationally, we saw all of these missions and missionaries that were creating content and they were creating these social media pages and they were getting big. And they were trying to teach people from those posts. And they were having conversations and having good interactions with people because of social media. And so that was something that was so new and especially trying to like, how do we post about Jesus? How do we post about the gospel? And like make people want to look at it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So that was so new, but it was so exciting. I was so excited too, because we were doing things that nobody had ever done before. And we didn't know what would come from this, but we had so much hope and so much enthusiasm that we were willing to try. And even talking now with some of my friends that are still on missions, and it's been amazing to see what's happened with social media and how utilized of a tool this is and how it's blessing so many people. Wow. So So you are a pioneer missionary. Yeah. And also my mission president just did such a good job with really helping us stay unified as a mission during the pandemic, especially with we would get missionaries that were serving in foreign countries and they would come and be assigned to our mission so they could still keep serving. Right. And so we had all these people coming from different cultures and different places (laughs) and different experiences and we were all coming together. And we were all in our apartments, so we weren't together, we were separate, but he would have us do weekly mission-wide video calls and devotionals. He would invite guests to come and speak to us as a mission, and we would get to talk together. 
we have different areas of missionaries that are called districts and zones. So districts are kind of the people that live right next to you. They're like your neighbors. Uh-huh. And then your zone is kind of like your neighborhood. But we got to talk to those missionaries all the time over video calls and interact with them. So it was so fun to see how we were all coming together and being unified and working as one, even though we were all separate and trying to figure things out together. Oh, wow. I hear like service missions and then there's proselyting missions. Did you have a service mission on your mission or were you just mostly proselyting? Well, and then social media, I guess. There's like social Mm -hmm. media proselyting and service, right? Well, social media and proselyting are the same thing. Okay. So they're integrated into one thing. Okay. As far as I knew, we didn't have any service missionaries. So it was all full-time proselyting missionaries. Okay, got it. So what would you tell somebody like, let's say next year there's going to be some missionaries that go out or maybe it's not even a mission. Maybe it's people go to college or people go join the Peace Corps or people go in the army or armed Mm -hmm. services or something. What would you say to somebody who is going to be trying something new and different and hard and they just want to come home and maybe it would have been okay for you to come home. Everyone would have totally understood, right? Mm -hmm. But what would you say to them? I think I would say learn to be okay with your weaknesses. Ooh, that's so good. I love that. (laughs) Learn to be okay with your weaknesses because Mm -hmm. why? Because they will turn into strengths, but they're not at that time. When you do something new and when you challenge yourself and you try something you've never done before, the absolute hardest thing you're ever going to encounter is yourself. And it's going to be your weaknesses (sighs) and your self-doubt. And you're going to be the one that's going to hold you back and say, I can't do this. I'm not capable Nobody needs me. Nobody wants what I have to offer. And you're going to notice things about yourself that maybe you didn't realize were there or you knew and you have to confront it. And that could either be you backing out and going home or it's a launching point of finding the magic of who you are and giving to the world something that you've never given before because you've never done this before. And so I would say learn to be okay with your weaknesses because they won't stay that way for long. As long as you work on them and you move forward and you try, they will strengthen and they will grow. And I would also say, no matter if you're a member of the church, if you're Christian, if you're religious, find that place that you feel spiritual. Find where you put your faith and just hold on to it because that's going to be a lifeline for you. And so whether that be your belief in Christ or your belief in some higher power in the universe, because it's there to help you and it's there to help serve you. And all you have to do is rely on them and ask. And when you do, especially in those moments of weakness, you come to have this encounter experience that is unlike anything else. And then there's no turning back because then it's all steam ahead and it's all forward. And you have that with you and you have that strength and guiding hand with you. I love that idea of turning or not hiding from your weaknesses, not doing the hard thing because that would show your weaknesses. I mean, in a way you're saying, I'm vulnerable, here's my weaknesses here you go, everybody. But then they're not going to be my weaknesses forever because I'm doing this new thing, challenging, Mm -hmm. and I'm being better for it. So those things, my weaknesses will become my strengths possibly. Absolutely. That is the coolest life lesson. What are you doing now with your life lessons and what do you see yourself doing in the future? Ooh, that's a good (laughs) question. (laughs) With those life lessons, I think just that very thing is learning to not stay within boundaries and not confine myself to a box, but realizing that I have different shades of light that I get to offer to people and to the world and those around me, and I have yet to discover that. Because I look at the experience I had on my mission and who I thought I was before my mission and what I thought my life was like, and it's drastically different from now. And I've had this whole new world and possibilities open up to me. And I've just taken that and realized that there are so many opportunities to create Mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. We are creators and we get to create our life and our experience and our relationships and who we are. And it's not something that's at the mercy of another person or a circumstance, but we always have the choice to create. And so just taking your weaknesses, your strengths in full stride and using other people to help you with that to move forward. So I guess in, in my future now going forward is just trying to break those boundaries and trying to dream bigger and do things that I never thought possible while using the help of those around me. Yeah, I can totally see that in your life that you're doing that. <laughs> oh, thank so. you. I'm like, this is relatable to people because no matter what they are doing, just don't stay in a box, right? That's what you're Mm -hmm. saying. Mm -hmm. Don't stay in a box. Get uncomfortable. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Try new things. Imagine the impossible. 
right? Yeah. If you go back to your mission and think of how that benefited people or yourself, what would you say? How did that mindset benefit other people? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. I think because it gave people the eyes to see things that they otherwise could not see in themselves at the time. And so you could call that a variety of things. You could call that faith, which is having a belief in something that you can't see yet, Mm -hmm. but you still believe is there and is real. You could call it hope. You could call it optimism. You could call it whatever you want to. Mm-hmm. But it's that ability to have so much hope and love and confidence in another person that even though they can't see that in themselves, but they believe you. And so because they believe you, they're going to try. And so I think when I try to show that to those around me, whether it be like a person I was teaching or a mission companion or a friend, it gave them the confidence and the strength and the hope that they otherwise didn't have and they didn't see was possible. But they were willing to try and to do something that scared them because I believed in them so much. And because they saw how excited I was and how hopeful I was, they're like, I wanna feel that way too. And so I think that's what gave them the motivation and the ability to see that in themselves. Because that's all it takes is that it's always there. There's magic and there's joy and there's hope and there's kindness in all of us. It's always there, whether or not we see it, it's just a matter of being able to see it ourselves or have others see it in us and then helping us find that and have that mindset for ourselves. That's really what I did as a missionary. That's what you do as a representative of Jesus Christ is you show people things that are always there, but you're just shedding new light on it. So Mm. they have a fresh new perspective on it. And then they begin to see it themselves and believe it and hunger for it. And then they help others see that too in whatever that may look like in a spiritual sense, in an interpersonal sense, in whatever that may be. It is interesting. I, you said, going back to what you've said before, that people can experience the same interaction or the same experience, like the same car accident or the same family, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can experience it differently. But you're saying shedding light on the positive that they might not see in themselves or the hope that they might not see in themselves. That's part of what you've got to show people and what mm-hmm. you showed yourself. Absolutely. It is interesting how different people can respond to a circumstance. And I saw that even with the pandemic too, the different ways that missionaries were responding to that. Some had excitement and energy and vigor behind them. And some of them shrinked from the task because it felt so overwhelming. They felt like, I don't know what to do. Nobody's showing us how to do this. And this is the only way I know how to do mission work. So that's it. That's over for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think why we have so many different responses and how it could be better is simply based upon that choice that we have. All of us have been given a choice how to respond to our circumstances. And we're not always going to make the best right choices all the time, but we can always change that response in the way you feel even today. And that's something that I really held on to a lot was through my testimony of Jesus Christ, and especially through his atonement, is that we can always change. And so even if I do feel fear, or I feel like I have these weaknesses, or maybe there's this circumstance that I don't know how to respond to, you you can change that. You can have your heart be changed, and that can come through a higher source of power, and that's through the Savior, and through his redeeming power, and through his love for you. I was thinking, for instance, I'll just use you an example. You Mm -hmm. and your brother can live in a family and you have these great parents and you could, because of your personality, temperament, your genes, even the birth time that you were born in Mm -hmm. and all these things make us react to things differently the chemicals in our bodies, how our brain responds, if we've had previous experiences. And so I'm thinking of these missionaries during the pandemic and thinking, I am sure that there is going to be a whole bunch of different responses because they have different temperaments, different gene pools, different male, female. Are you Mm -hmm. the oldest, maybe a problem solver, or are you more of a follower and wait for direction, which there's nothing bad about either one, but there's always somewhere where you can kind of push yourself and make decisions. But also we don't want to negate necessarily whoever you are and however you are is okay right right we all have intuition and know what's good for us I mean I know that there are some missionaries that came home during the pandemic and it was the best thing for them yeah absolutely and then for others like yourself you are innovative you're a creator you're finding ideas you were making you were a pioneer (laughs) you were a pioneer missionary in Houston Texas Mm -hmm. which is so remarkable and then that was what you were supposed to do Mm mm-hmm 
And that's what's so cool that gives me so much hope is that we are all given these clubs in life. Yes, the clubs. Yes, thank you for bringing it back to the clubs. Absolutely. We have these clubs of like our genetic predispositions, of our families that we grow up in, of our temperaments or our gender or whatever that may be. We have these different clubs and that has an effect on the way we respond to the things that happen to us. But what gives me so much hope through this gospel and through life in general is that we can always change, even to the extent of being a completely different person. And there are so many resources to be able to help us to do that. And for me, that comes through my faith and testimony in the Savior, in that he helps me literally change to be a new person through him. So even if I do have a temperament, or even if I do have a really hard circumstance that I've been given, I can be a changed person. And so then, even if that circumstance doesn't change, my perspective on it changes. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so cool. Your we thoughts have, about it change. Yes. Yeah. And we don't have to stay in this place if we don't want to. And so even though it feels like we're at the mercy of our genetics and our brain and our circumstances, we're really not because we always have the opportunity to even gain new attributes and characteristics. We're always learning. Mm-hmm. Well, we can always learn if we allow ourselves that. So how do you even sum up a mission, an 18-month mission in an hour? You can't. There's no <laughs> way. So what have we missed? What do you want people to know? I think what I want people to know is why it's such an amazing experience to serve a mission and to be a representative of Christ. It's not because of who you are as a person, whether or not you've grown up in a certain religion, whether or not you have a certain amount of faith and belief. It's not based on the place that you're called to and the people that you meet. All of those are neat and they're fun to talk about and all the nuances that go with it. But what makes a mission so unique is the experience that you get to have with Jesus Christ because he's the one that makes the entire experience. Because if I strip away everything else, if I didn't have, you know, my companions, if I didn't have a pandemic, if I didn't have Texas, I would still have the Savior. And that's what doesn't change across the board. And that's what I ultimately take home with me and use every single day. And that's the thing that has ultimately made me such a better person and allowed me to share these experiences and be who I am and and navigate these challenges is because of that belief in the Savior. It's about Jesus Christ and it's about his gospel. I love that. So sometimes we ask funny questions at the end. Not funny, but this podcast is called You Might Relate. So let's see (laughs) if anyone can relate. What kind of books do you like to read? Or what's the last book that you read? A book that I'm currently reading right now is actually kind of a self-help positive psychology book. Okay. It's called Designing Your Life. Oh. It's actually written by... I can't remember. Oh. This is really funny. It's one of the books that was assigned for me to read this last semester in one of my classes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I like did homework on it, but I loved it so much, so I'm going back and reading the whole thing. Okay. So we only did sections of it. But it basically talks about using experience design and design thinking and problem solving to create your life and how to make decisions and navigate moving forward. So it's really, really, really cool. Oh, I love like it. sounds like a great book. That sounds like a book I would love to get into. You would love it. Yeah, <laughs> I would totally love that. What is the worst chore, the chore that you hate to do the most? Weeds. Really? Yep. You would rather pull, <laughs> you'd rather not, pull, you would rather clean a toilet than pull weeds. Absolutely. Any day. You'd rather do laundry than pull weeds. Any day. You hate weed pulling? I hate weeds. <laughs> what is it about weeds that you don't love? Well, Because I did it as a kid growing up. That was one of our chores is every couple weeks or so, my dad and my brothers and I, we would go out and we would go weeding. And we live in St. George, Utah. And so in the summer, it's so blazing hot. And so you're just sweating and you're on the ground and you pull them out and they're in the rocks and you have to get them by the root. Otherwise, they just come back. They always come back. Weeds do come back. (laughs) I can attest. (laughs) And there's no like upside to it. There's just no benefit from it. So I hate weeding. But it's such a good lesson, too, that I'm grateful I learned how to weed, but I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you said that. I haven't heard that one yet. So, Elise, thank you so much. The clubs that we talked about today were, one, the club that you chose to be in was to be a missionary. And the club you didn't choose is to be a missionary during the pandemic. But you really grew on your mission because of the pandemic. Even more, maybe 
I mean, who knows? It just sounds like you did because now what you do for me and my business is social, right? Mm -hmm. Seriously, you guys, she created her job. She was, <laughs> talk about not being in a box. She's like, and this is what we should do. And she just took it on and it's so awesome. So your mission has certainly blessed me in my <laughs> life. So I'm so glad that you learned everything that you did on your mission. Thank you for sharing your story. And I just think there's a lot of life lessons, even if people don't go on a mission or people aren't part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they can still take some of what you said and relate to it. So thanks yeah. for being here. Thanks for having me. I just wanted to add a little side note, since this is about mental health, you know, something I love about the sister missionaries is that they do not have the same pressure put on them to serve. They can if they want, but it's not looked down on if they don't. They can go to school, volunteer, get married, play a sport, work, and it's completely accepted. For the sake of missionaries' mental health, the family's mental health, please let the young men have that same opportunity. The opportunity to say, I'm not going on a mission. I'm going to go to school or do volunteer work or play a sport, go in the armed services, and let that be okay. When we tell our kids that they will be going down the wrong track if they don't serve a mission, sometimes that is self-prophesying. It's a little manipulative, and it's not good mental health for our kids. When we tell the kids that they can choose, but then put pressure on them or are disappointed when they don't choose what we want, then the mental health toll is extreme. It can also not be great for the kids coming up in the family when it's time for them to make that same choice. Let's let it be completely their choice, just like the sister missionaries. There's going to be hard things about going on a mission, and there's going to be hard things about staying and doing something else. And there's going to be amazing things about going on a mission, and there's going to be amazing things about staying and experiencing whatever they experience. There's not a bad choice here. It does seem like a really good time in someone's life between the ages of 18 and 21 to provide service and experience the world go backpacking, go teach Chinese, go build churches or schools, gardens. There's so many things that people can be a part of. And because there's so many things, give your kid options. Part of being an adult is making decisions. So let's let them make that decision. They will have the confidence in themselves that they can make decisions and that the family will and can celebrate whatever that decision is. So whether your kid teaches Chinese or backpacks Europe or joins the Peace Corps, whatever it is, think of the positivity and the connection that you and your child will have if you celebrate them no matter what choice they make. And think of what kind of great, awesome mental health there will be in your home because it was an actual choice. Now, if you do find yourself in a state of sadness, maybe even depression, because your kid did not choose to go on a mission, I get it. It's real. It's grief. Please find a therapist. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just that we don't want you to share that grief with your child or their siblings because that's not for them. Thank you for joining me today. Elise, you're just the greatest. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on You Might Relate. I hope this topic brought understanding and insight. And if you can relate to something in today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at You Might Relate Podcast. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. The more understanding we create, the better we are as humans. You are in charge of your day, so go make it a good one. Catch you next time.